Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest on today's podcast is one of the most knowledgeable and liked people in the outdoor industry in Western Canada. Darren Bahanas started in the retail side of the industry while going to university and liked it so much he made it a career. In 1997, he became a manufacturer's sales representative, quickly becoming one of the most successful in the industry. Working with leading brands that include Minkota and Hummingbird, Darren has a reputation of sharing his depth of knowledge, experience, and technical expertise to novice and professional anglers alike. One of his most recent projects involved mapping a myriad of lakes in Manitoba. Hey, Darren, welcome to the Complete Angler Podcast. It's been a, it's been a while, my friend. It has. It's ha- it has. It's certainly, it's, uh, it's great to talk to you, that's for sure, especially with everything going on. Now, you've been a busy guy. Uh, we're going to get into that. Not only do you rep a bunch of different products, but you also uh, took on a huge undertaking in the last, what, four years? Talk a bit about that, about your Lake Master mapping, because a lot of people, I, I get so many questions about it, Darren, about how you were able to go out there and do all this. You know, to be honest with you, it's actually one of those things that kind of, you know, started off the cuff. Um, as the rep, you know, from Encoda Hummingbird, and especially with Hummingbird Electronics, I think we all realize the, you know, the importance of mapping, you know, and having quality mapping. And really what it just came down to is... Um, just starting bit by bit and and making you know mapping locally you know available for you know for hummingbird users i think the first lake that i did was was falcon lake i'm trying to remember how many years ago that was but um i basically started i finished it off the following year and then that just led into you know starting to do more and more realizing that at some point you know resources may be called in you know for us to kind of accelerate things but Um, I didn't want to wait till then. I felt that, you know, um, you know, we certainly had a strong position in the marketplace. Uh, I didn't want that to to diminish and certainly create opportunities, um, you know, for competitors and so on. So mapping was one piece of the puzzle where I just kind of jumped on it and, and, you know, eventually had, you know, some folks that helped out a little bit here and there, but, um, it certainly is a process to do. Uh, probably one of the most common questions I get from people is, you know, do you do any fishing when you map? And the answer is, I don't even have a rod in my boat when I'm mapping. In fact, I make a point of it because you, you just can't, uh, you know, from sunrise to sunset, you have a process that you're doing. I mean, it is a very scripted, you know, process in terms of, you know, how you go about, uh, you know, surveying a lake. Uh, there's really nothing random about it, um, but it, it takes, it, it takes focus. You got to watch where you're going. You got to know and, and see what's going on as you're mapping. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely more involved than people think. You get a little concerned when you start getting mapping shallow water. Yeah, it's funny because every lake that I go on, it's 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 really funny you mention that because especially for new areas that I have not been on, uh, and of course lakes that um, uh, like I remember doing sort of the parkland area, and uh, I mean I'm not familiar with those lakes, and certainly they're different than a lot of the shield lakes you know that we have that that you know have a lot of hazards. You know, when I was on Lac de Bonnie doing that, I spent over 30 days just myself, um, actually 
quite a bit more than that, um, you know, just serving the area that I did. And there was a lot of hazards and I definitely, you know, touched a few rocks and it was a longer process. But then when you get into other lakes, you kind of get a feel for it. It's weird how it goes. Um, you know, some of the lakes that don't have those types of hazards, whereas if I'm in a shield lake in two and a half or three feet of water, um, you get a little bit concerned, right? You know, because you want to get the most detail that you can. But in other lakes, when you realize they're shallower lakes, they're more sandy lakes. Um, I had no problem, you know, literally driving, you know, with the big motor in two and a half, you know, one and a half, uh, you know, three feet of water, um, because I knew that there weren't really any hazards in there. And, uh, you know, like I said, you just, you, it, it varies from each lake for sure. A little safer in your kayak though. A little safer. Well, you know what? The kayak, uh, you know, the electric only lakes, it's funny you mention that too, yeah. because the electric only lakes uh, that I do survey in the kayak, I mean, obviously you can't have an outboard motor, um, you know, larger bodies of water, you know, certainly do take some more time. But uh, what I've been able to do is I'll take my little Minn Kota transom mount and I'll actually have that, you know, uh, bolted onto the side. And that gives me a supplemental source of propulsion. It's actually not the primary source of propulsion because the kayak that I use is actually a pedal drive. Um, Old Town Predator kayak. Um, so I'm actually constantly pedaling because you actually do go faster as you're pedaling, but at least it takes off some of that resistance as you're doing it. So for example, you know, when I was out on the Duck Mountains doing uh, the lakes up there that were electric only, uh, some of them were a little bit bigger and it did take a couple of days to do, but um, no, I felt pretty comfortable. They're very stable. You know, again, you're following the same process. It just takes a little bit longer than, uh, you know, especially when you get into the basin areas, uh, people will ask, you know, how fast do you go? Well, you know, the, you know, the, the shoreline uh, track that you do is obviously very important. And then what you're doing is you're just staggering your tracks off of that. And then you have a pattern that you use when you're detailing different structure. The difference is, is when you're, when I'm in my boat with the outboard is that when you get into some of the basin areas, um, you can pick up your speed a little bit more um, as long as you're, you know, consistent in what you're doing and you're not losing your depth signal. Again, all it's about consistency and making sure you got a consistent depth reading. Um, but when you're in the kayak, you can't do those basin areas any faster, <laughs> you know, and you still want to get the details. So it's a little bit, you know, I don't know, you just kind of get in that zone in your mind and, and just kind of go with it and, you know, realize that you still have about three or four hours ahead to finish this one little section here and then move on to the next. How many lakes have you done now, Derek? Uh, you know, I've actually got a list uh, around here somewhere. Uh, probably of, of, of the HD surveyed lakes that we have currently um, on our Manitoba card list, uh, probably about half of the lakes that are on there, uh, I did myself. Now, granted, I also did have help you know, from some other folks that we've, uh, you know, brought on board, uh, and they've done a fantastic job. And it, it takes a bit of time, you know, it takes a little bit of training for them to understand, because there's so much involved when you're surveying a lake, uh, you know, to pay attention to. And like I said, there is nothing random about it. In fact, even the way that I map right now is actually different from the year before, which is different from the year before that. What I mean by different is you just get more efficient at what you're doing. You realize that um, you can do something within a given amount of time that has as much, if not better detail than perhaps how I would have surveyed before. Um, there might've been more tracks involved before, but it becomes a little bit redundant when you talk about the detail. All you're doing is you're just, you know, taking up more time. Uh, but my gosh, I, I'd have to add them up, but um, there's been a good couple dozen or more, uh, you know, lakes that, uh, oh gosh, actually, yeah, more than that, probably maybe over 25, 30 lakes or so. 
you know, that I've done myself. A lot of them are smaller ponds, but some of them were definitely bigger projects too. So how long have you been in the industry? Uh, I guess depends how you count it. In the industry for over 30 years, uh, I guess you could say I started helping a buddy out at, uh, if you remember Payless Fishing Tackle back in the day, a friend of mine managed the Marion store and after school, I'd go there and help him out. But shortly after that, I actually started working at, uh, at Hook, Line and Sinker, uh, again, a tackle store at uh, Pemina and Grant and did that for a few years and, and worked at uh, Sydney I. Robinson, SIR for a number of years, uh, you know, department manager, things like that. And then eventually moved on to an opportunity as, uh, as being a sales rep. And I've been a sales rep, I think, since about 1997 right now. So, um, I mean, I couldn't be, you know, more fortunate to do what I'm doing. You know, it's, it's an industry that I love, uh, just my outdoor passion and everything about that as, as, you know, I'm sure you can relate to as well, you know, to be able to work into something that, uh, you know, is really what we enjoy doing the most, right? Our passions. Well, I had that interesting discussion with a, a bunch of people <clears throat> at a, a lodge fly and lodge in Northern Saskatchewan this year. We had a bunch of the uh, the outdoor media people there on a, on a kind of a media junket, and, and we talked to the staff there about how do you get into the outdoor industry full-time? Well, there's a, a variety of different ways to do that, Darren. Um, you can go the route that I did. I started as a guide and so on and so forth, and then did the seminars, did the tournaments, and, uh, and there's also the route that you did. Started out in a tackle business, became a very successful rep for a number of different lines and some great lines like you you talked about uh, hummingbird and and uh, Minkota and stuff like that so yeah you, you've uh, you've been very fortunate but you also worked very hard and and you've won a few awards along the way haven't you yeah I, i've been lucky that way kind of as you mentioned it's really about putting the time in uh i mean i've you know been fortunate to win a number of sales rep awards rep of the year awards uh, even with johnson outdoors and the marine electronic division uh, rep of the year for for North America so that was actually a pleasant surprise that was uh, you know a few years back now um, but it I, I think really what it comes down to when people ask well how do you get in the business I'll be honest with you I you know up until about second year university um, for much of my life for whatever reason I actually thought that I was going to be a lawyer uh, like a corporate lawyer um, maybe that's something your parents kind of get in your head, you know, and then you kind of run with it for so many years. So I was actually taking courses related to that. And, and then I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do for most of the rest of my life. Um, there was an opportunity that came in retail, uh, because I was working in retail at SIR at the time. And especially with, you know, management department manager, things like that. And, and I basically just decided to stop university and uh, work full-time in retail and, honestly, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I just kind of felt that I was going on this path, you know, sort of leading this direction. And, and it was, it's a matter of putting the time. And um, I think both of us can relate to certain experiences where it's not about, okay, well, what are you going to do for me? It's about, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to create these opportunities. I think so much, and I don't want to get too far out in the weeds with, you know, maybe certain views or the way things are right now. But I think that it, in many aspects, there's a lot of entitlement right now. You know, I see that with, you know, individuals or things like that. And uh, that's just something that can't really enter the equation. Um, if it means that uh, you have an opportunity to work at a store mopping the floors it it gets your foot in the door to eventually work your way up and i do know of many people in the industry that started you know not too far removed from that and they're now you know high up the chain and managers and things like that so um it's it's really a matter of you know having a goal um putting your time in 
also recognizing perhaps, you know, your value and not being taken advantage of. But I think if you surround yourself with good people and allow those opportunities to happen, um, that that's where good things start to happen, in my opinion. I agree. And there's uh, prime examples that are live very close to us, like uh, Jeff Gustafson. I mean, he's a prime example of a guy that he'll do whatever it takes. He's 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 always has time for you. I mean, I remember uh, if you you know you read my book and I talked about the time. Uh, the poor guy in the Berkeley booth at the Winnipeg outdoor show, he was doing a kid's casting booth and he was all by himself. I had one year of guiding under my belt at Eagleness. So I just volunteered and you know what? Berkeley became a lifelong sponsor of mine. And it just, just the example that you talked about there. So that's Darren, that's extremely important. Yes, sir. Anyway, yeah, I um, agree a hundred percent. We've all, you know, you and I both, we have similar circumstances like that where, if you can just get your foot in the door, you know, just get the opportunity and, uh, and, and show that you want to help, you know, Jeff is a perfect example of that. He's always there. And even if it's perhaps an inconvenient time, I've witnessed situations of, uh, you know, him still answering questions and, and being cordial about it, being nice about it, not, you know, kind of rolling his eyes or anything. He, he's, he's the real deal for sure. So he's, he's a perfect example of that. Now, we talked about some of the other lines that you rep, and uh, one of the most exciting things in the last three or four years are, have been the, uh, the kind of the live technology. And uh, Hummingbird has come out with, what was it Mega Live this, this year? Darren? Mega Live, yep. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit because you've had an opportunity to use it. Yeah, I've been using Mega Live since the first part of August when I got my sample of that. And it, uh, from the very first moment that I turned it on, it, it was just that instant wow factor. Now, obviously, I am familiar with live uh, technology. I'm obviously familiar with the, you know, the competitions products and all that because, you know, it's my job. I have to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's been highly anticipated by a lot of people. A lot of people were wondering, well, when is Hummingbird going to come out with, you know, live imaging sonar? I think really what it comes down to is they're not a company that will come out with something just for the sake of you know, or Russia product, they want to make sure when they do it, they do it properly. And typically, when they release a product, they've often been the leaders, you know, when it comes to many technologies, I mean, whether it's auto chart live, uh, to be able to create, you know, live mapping on the go to, to bring inside imaging sonar, you know, to the consumer market, live imaging, although not the first to bring it to the market, they wanted to make sure they did it right. And I think there's a few points that I realized, when I first used it was, um, the, the detail is exceptional. Um, I actually used it, you know, the folks that, you know, there at, uh, at Pokey's Tackle out in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, Greg and Gordon, the guys, and that was actually my very first time seeing it because from the moment that I got it, I didn't actually have a chance to rig it on my boat yet before I went to Saskatchewan. So that was all of our first times in, in using it. And the detail that it showed was amazing to be able to track your jig. There is uh, videos that I could freeze the frame and you can actually see a walleye swiping at the bait. Not only can you see the mouth open, but you can see the dorsal fin, the second dorsal fin, the tail. Um, and these are not big fish, you know, that would show a bigger, more defined signal. These are like 17 inch walleye. So it was pretty amazing to see that detail. Um, the clarity, the edge to edge clarity, that's one of the differences that I noticed right away is that you don't have that sort of coning or heavy segmentation or sometimes where you get the bell of the beams at the bottom where you have these sort of false anomalies. It is clear edge to edge um, 
And then it really comes down to the simplicity. You have an ethernet cable and then you have a power cable. The ethernet cable is basically your transducer cable. So there's no external hubs or modules. So um, with mega live, I think they really did hit it out the park, hit it out of the park. And, you know, in my opinion, kind of reset the bar in live imaging sonar because of these differences, the simplicity, the detail, the edge to edge clarity. And in fact, uh, although it's been long awaited, it should actually be in Canadian stores very, very soon. I know it's already shipped and people have already received it in the States. It's been en route to Canada. Um, if it's not already en route to a handful of stores right now for our initial shipment, uh, my guess is it might even be as soon as the end of this week, Friday, um, but you know, likely the week after. So we'll start to see it in stores soon. And I know a lot of people are excited about it. Now, you're not just another pretty face when it comes to fishing. <laughs> You've done pretty well <laughs> on the tournament circuit as well. Well, tournaments have been something, you know, I think it really comes down to that competitive aspect, you know, whether you look back in the days with sports and just all sorts of things that I may have been involved in. Um, when you put that competitive nature into, uh, you know, something that you enjoy doing, like, like fishing, um, tournaments was something that, uh, again, I remember the first tournament that I did was, uh, I think it was one of the Whopper walleye tournaments uh, in Lac de Bonnie or something like that back in the day. Um, but I've always enjoyed tournaments. Um, now it does take a commitment. I don't want to, you know, enter a tournament just for the sake of doing it. I want to put the time in and, uh, you know, you want to pre-fish and, you know, hopefully you want to, you want to do well at the tournament. So, you know, I've been fortunate to fish with a lot of really skilled individuals. Um, I enjoy walleye tournaments and bass tournaments alike. You know, I've been fortunate to win, um, uh, like for example, bass and for bucks. I fished it with Brian Gustafson, um, the um uh, the dryden uh, um, the dryden walleye masters you know fishing that with my you know friend who passed away a few years ago sandra Fergali. we were fortunate to win that and that was one of the tournaments that of any he always wanted to have that trophy he always wanted to win that one so if anything i mean it was just such a an honor to win it with him but you know we've done well you know we've certainly had a lot of uh, you know top finishes and other events uh, sturgeon bay i love going down to sturgeon bay it's an amazing smallmouth fishery uh, when I fished that one with my friend, uh, Terry McClymont, we actually did second. And that was actually the year that my friend Sandro passed away. So perhaps he was kind of watching over us there. Um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy tournament fishing. Now I have had to step back from it um, in the last number of years because of the extent and time that the the mapping has taken up, you know, between, because I have a young family, you know, between family, obviously between my work responsibilities and, uh, you know, the time that tournaments and mapping and all that, something has to give, right? So you kind of got to make your choices. So I decided to step away from tournaments for a while there until we kind of got caught up where we wanted to be for the mapping. So now that I've done, you know, much of, you know, sort of what I can do on my end, um, and the rest of it is up to, you know, folks that have, you know, bigger resources and pocketbooks and that sort of thing than I do, you know, when you look at the corporate uh, support there. Mm. Um, hopefully I'm looking at getting back to, you know, do some more events and uh, yeah, definitely have been out of it for a little bit, but I'm certainly looking forward to putting the time in and, you know, fishing some more events coming up. So that's leads to my next question. What does the future hold? Um, probably much of the same, I think. Uh, I mean, I love my job, you know, my family, I work, everything that I do. Um, there's, there's, there's still that passion. There's still that enthusiasm. I mean, it, it never really gets uh, tired and never really gets boring. Um, there's a lot of good things happening in the industry. Um, you know, I always look forward to, you know, 
you know, the, obviously the technology and, and the, I work with some amazing companies. Um, I just love the industry as a whole, you know, talking with folks like yourself and just, you know, friends and people that uh, are involved in this, you know, industry that we know and love. Um, would like to get into a little bit more tournaments, um, obviously, you know, with the family time and, you know, doing and enjoying all the time that we can in the outdoors. And, uh, you know, I do a little bit of hunting and that sort of thing as well. And, you know, one of the seasons that's coming upon us here. So looking forward to getting out in the woods a little bit too. But I think in the long term, just just continuing on, just driving forward, uh, obviously with the setbacks that we've had uh, with COVID, uh, as you know, one of the things I really enjoy doing is speaking to the public. I enjoy doing seminars. I enjoy doing talks at stores. And we haven't been able to do that, you know, in the longest time now. So, you know, as the opportunity will present itself, I'm really looking forward to getting back to do that, you know, to do seminars and presentations and just engaging with the people. Yeah, uh, I just finished a column that I had published in the free press uh, last Saturday, and, and it just really hit on that topic. I've been an educator all my life, whether it be fishing or basketball, basketball coach for close to 40 years as well. And you know, I really miss that social interaction that they actually dealing with the public, whether it's uh, going to a school to talk to kids about fishing or whether it's at a boat launch, just talking to an angler, um, you know, taking a hook out of somebody's uh, fingers, <laughs> which I <laughs> often get asked to do, which is kind of funny, but, uh, you know, and going and doing seminars, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll get back to it pretty soon because that's a big part of what we do, isn't it, Darren? I'm sure I'm yeah it certainly is and I'm sure we will I mean for me it's a great change of pace as the spring season rolls around and we get we get into that busy period with the uh, you know the angling seasons opening up um, I mean I can be from you know Thunder Bay to Saskatoon to Regina and I enjoy that change of pace I enjoy chatting with people across the territory and uh, yeah I am definitely looking forward to getting back to that hopefully soon. Well, it's a lot easier to understand technology when you can be beside somebody like yourself who's explaining it and showing you how all the buttons work. I know you spent some time trying to get me a little more up to speed on some of that stuff. So I, I really appreciate what you do, Darren. Well, I appreciate it as well. And it's it's a pleasure, you know, having, you know, having to, you know, the relationship and friendship, uh, you know, with yourself over the years. And uh, yeah, it's uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to, you know, engaging with people in the future and, you know, getting back to a sense of normal here. Okay, well, all the best in your future endeavors, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, the newest, latest technology. Certainly. You as well, Don. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.